0: Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now, let's get into this week's episode. And a very warm welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast. Nigel Green here from the ECHO Academy, and I'm absolutely delighted today to have with me Rachel Wellbelove. Hi, Rachel.
1: Hello. Hi. How are you?
0: I am very well. Thank you. Good. As yourself. All right. Yeah.
1: Yes. Good. Thank you. Just in sunny rain, near 35 degrees today.
0: Mere 35 degrees. Yeah. Well, I hope you got that air conditioning on.
1: I've just switched it off, actually, just so I don't impact the recording. But if oh. it gets too hot, I'll pop it back on.
0: No, it's, it's perfectly fine, actually. Yeah. But, so, there you go. See so how you go. Anyway. But yeah, no, so thanks for joining me today. Um, yeah. It's, uh, we're getting a lot of uptake on this podcast and, you know, people listening. Intrigued, really, on uh, on the stories that people are giving, and you can yeah. imagine they're all different and varied, which is really, really interesting. But yeah. uh, I think I think just as a starter for ten, if you if you want mine, maybe just please introduce yourself. And yeah, give I will of-
1: do. Okay, so I'm sure uh, quite a few people probably know me because I've been at the EQUA events and I've been doing the mastermind. But I'm Rachel, well beloved, and I'm the founder of Flex Homes. I come from the southeast of England I invest in the northeast of England and I spend quite a bit of time in Bahrain which is where my husband lives and works so I sort of flip between three different places. Um, I've been involved in businesses probably for about 18 years now lots of different industries so construction property started my life in aviation so a real mixed bag actually um and that's yeah that's pretty much pretty much me in a nutshell
0: oh wow that's amazing i, I don't how would you How do you regulate yourself when you come back to the UK between such a high temperature and such a... (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Generally, I'm always cold, actually. So it suits me being in Bahrain. Um, But the problem problem is you spend probably nine months of the year in an air-conditioned environment. Oh, I see. Um, so it's just so hot and so humid for yeah. a large part of the year. And when I come back, I go to the northeast, so I have layers and layers and layers and woolly hats and coats. So that's pretty much how I <laughs> how <laughs> I cope, yeah, and the heating up high. So, yeah.
0: it's um, Very good. Anyway, I mean, in terms of property, I mean, what, what made you choose property as a vehicle to wealth and success?
1: Um, well, I suppose it stems from my childhood. So my late father was a builder. He left school and he he sort of started a building company. So when my sister and I were little, we'd be in the kitchen, the guys would be turning up, mum would be making tea and coffee and baking buts, butties and, you know, sandwiches and stuff like that. So we'd grown up around property and I'd always had an interest in it. I understood that you could make money from property. Um, and then my father had quite a serious heart attack in 2005. I was working in the city. I was running a graduate training program for an investment bank, and he wasn't in a position to sort of carry on with his business. So I said, look, I'll come and work for you. If we get on, I'll carry on working for you. But if we don't get on, I'll find somebody else to come and help you with your business. So that was my first sort of formal introduction to running a property company. At the time we were doing a lot of work with the likes of Mansell, Balfour Beattie, Mears, and a lot of the local authorities. So it's a huge
0: Mm. sort of
1: period of transition. And then when COVID hit, there was a lot of changes in my existing business. I had a an international logistics company and it just wasn't feasible. So for me, it was it was a natural choice that I would go. Back into property. I think it was just ingrained in my DNA and it's something that I love. I was certainly one of those people who could while away hours on Right Move and Zoopla just scrolling for properties. This was long before running a property company. So I think it's just, I think I was very destined to, to go into property at some point for full time.
0: Isn't it interesting how there's, there's always a, there's kind of a trigger, isn't there? There's something and it can be in your, all the way back to your childhood or, or circumstance or, or something like that. I know, I know mine, um, my route into property was very much like um, uh, an inherent distrust of the pension scheme um, just for the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't really drive to it or see it or it wasn't very tangible. Yes, it was a piece of paper with a number on it, but you know, at the time it was like, I don't know whether I trust this or not. <laughs> Is it still going to be there when I get to retirement? So my My trigger was very much uh, around um, that kind of Plan B, you know, to start build property because I could drive to it, I could see it, it was there, it would generate cash flow and these sort of things. But it's really, it's really interesting, isn't it? And that and how your 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 father, you you know, had that influence on you, you know, around the dining room table almost. And it was, it was very much. almost a soft influence really because you, you're not necessary in that moment but the peripheral and your subconscious is picking up all these these signals isn't it it's amazing
1: yeah it was um i think also when you mentioned the, the dining room table there were many an interesting conversation around our our family dining room table but i think also for me it was the transformative nature of property so I could understand the tangible bricks and mortar and what we were doing and you know sort of disabled adaptations and providing improved homes for people but I think it was about the impact it was the impact on people so you could you could actually see the 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 significant change to their life Mm. by improving their living facilities you know and that was as simple as you know elderly people that were finally getting disabled adaptations provided by the local authority yeah, yeah. so I think it I think it was that part of it as well um yeah. and my dad you know he worked his whole life and he loved his job he loved everything he did and he, he said that there was never a day that went by without him not enjoying working so for me I think that enjoyment of what you do has always sort of yeah. been sitting at the back and and so property was just yeah a natural next step yeah definitely
0: that's absolutely amazing yeah. maybe tell us um, a little bit about the key milestones and maybe achievements in your your property journey thus far
1: um yes uh, key milestones gosh um well it's a challenge it is a challenge running a business from an overseas country and that comes with its Um, difficulties around sort of lending and um, interest rates and and the practicalities really so that that's it's quite it's quite a big milestone just to be achieving that I think but I think um, probably our first property that we brought I think you always remember your first property so that was a cash purchase it was a property that we'd not seen. It was at auction. I hadn't had it surveyed. I did everything that you shouldn't do, and it turned out absolutely fine. So that getting that first property, I think people say the first property is the hardest property. I didn't feel that. I think going on from the first property and thinking, okay, what do we what do we do next, mm-hmm. and working out the complexities. Um, and the impact that that has, you know, like for, for an expat, you, you have to have a minimum lending. So you have less mortgage brokers to go to, for example. Um, you just mentioned your SAS and uh, pensions. That that was a massive milestone for us, a huge milestone, actually, because I'd been in businesses for years and years and years and not one person had ever mentioned a SAS. Not an accountant, not a tax advisor, not our solicitor it not even a pension specialist we had a pension specialist coming to our previous business never mentioned sas so that was a massive milestone for us we had two final salary schemes so defined benefit schemes we got financial we had to get uh, IFA advice because of the size of the schemes and actually it was recommended that we transfer our pensions out which we did and that was about a year's process all in all so it's a really big piece of work but a bit like you said earlier about can see it you can can take control of it for us with that decision we instantly created a legacy for our three children we have three children between us overnight and that was a really important sense of achievement that you that if anything happened to myself or my husband we had this this big cash pot. So mm-hmm. yeah, so for us the SAS and then I would say we purchased a children's care home um in a joint venture partnership at the start of the year. And that was that was also quite a big milestone. Sort of three years ago, I would never have considered children's care as a strategy. It's not, I don't think it's a mainstream strategy at the moment, but I think there's huge demands, a massive need. And I'd always sort of held a view that intervention earlier in somebody's life is better than it happening after. I was a serving magistrate for 10 years. I'd seen lots of people end up in court that didn't have a home that had lived in care, who didn't have that sort of safety net. So for us, even though it makes sound financial sense, it's purchased into the SAS. It's obviously in tax-free wrapper, which is great. The income comes into there, and the SAS has the uplift in the value. The knock-on is that three sort of vulnerable teenagers with emotional and behavioral difficulties now have a safe environment so for me that was a massive a massive milestone but not one i even had on the radar a couple of years ago so okay. so that was yeah big thing
0: yeah but it's a it's a big differentiator isn't it from as you say you know the the final salary uh, schemes and they're all kind of locked away and it's it's very difficult to access and influence as well yeah Whereas you know you buy what you've done and the hard work you've been through, and you know getting those pensions transferred into your SAS, you've you've impacted people's lives, and you want to be able to do that. Otherwise. No,
1: no, that's right. You, you just definitely wouldn't. And everyone said to us, "Oh, you can't transfer final salary schemes. Mm. They're gold plated. You've got to leave them where they are." And obviously, you can't just up and transfer them. You have to go through a set process. And we had to find a company that would evaluate us we we went through a massive assessment risk assessment all sorts of profiling and they they said yes you you've got the right mindset to mm. transfer them out and you understand the the risks of managing a SAS it's not not for everybody but yeah definitely key so I'm I'm a big advocate of at least understanding what SAS is mm. and working out if it's suitable for you so yeah very, very It's, very, a, it's clever. a clever product.
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Mm. Okay, so um, I guess getting into nitty gritty now. So we, um, we we know that things don't always go to plan. Um, and I just wondered if you could take us through something that you've encountered maybe unexpectedly and, and how you uh, overcame that challenge. And it, it could be personal property or business related.
1: Yes, um, but challenges. Yeah. I've had a fair few challenges in my life I would say I was from a personal point of view I was um, diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease when I was 20 so it's totally unexpected Um, all my friends were out traveling around the world and I was quite poorly so that was that was a big that was a big shock at the time I was definitely one of those people who was going to you know go to work get a good job buy a house and all the sort of things that a lot of people in the 80s grew up doing this this have a job for life and that's that's pretty much what I did that's what I thought I was going to do um so that was a big that was a big shock and that's probably shaped a lot of my views on things and I think it's helped put me where I am now doing what I'm doing now and then a legacy to that issue was I was obviously cured of cancer but I have inherent risks and in 2016 I was diagnosed with heart failure um and that sounds really dramatic and if anyone says to you you've got heart failure you think oh my gosh that's it it's it's all over um but again that was quite a big struggle I was I was running an international logistics company. I'd been getting poorly for about nine months. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. So that that was quite a big challenge. I, I have to be honest. I thought, oh, it's okay. It'd be just a little valve and, you know, they can pop a new stent in and it'd be, it'll all be good. Um, but it wasn't. So for me, I sort of approached that the same way that I approach everything, and that is research. I researched everything. I researched, I I found a fantastic consultant. I understood everything about my diagnosis and I thought, okay, I can just fix this. I'll I'll just sort out how I'm going to fix it. I'll find a solution. And that's pretty much what's happened. I just take medications like you would take for high blood pressure or an underactive thyroid. Um, so So those were both quite big things that you have no choice but to overcome them really um and I think it's given me a much greater appreciation for taking risks Mm. and recognizing that I have a sort of lifespan a, a longevity to my life and I want to make the most of that which is sort of where some of the why and some of the 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 things that we're doing around property is really to enable us to do what we want yeah, as we get older. Yeah,
0: that's that's amazing. Mm. Uh, you yeah, and and not to underestimate, you know, when things like that come to us, and they come to everybody, don't they? In one form or another, it in the short term it has quite an impact on how you feel and all the rest of it. But you know, that's just brilliant how you, how you just double down almost to, to find that solution, understand more, you know, what was going on yeah. and, um, and here we are today. So that's brilliant. That's yes. Great. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a big thing, but. um
0: is, Yeah. And and as you say, the, the why, the, that stronger, that, that why in your, you know, you've recognized your longevity and of, of life and all the rest of it. Um People sometimes need to step back and just have a think about that because, you know, the time is now, isn't it? You know, if that wise big, yeah. you you will just conquer everything, won't right? you? That's the thing to achieve. Your-
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone has difficulties in their life. They may not mm-hmm. be as extreme as as those sort of two things that happened to me. Um, but it's only when something happens, I think, that you quest really, truly question where you are and what you want from your life. Um, my husband had been poorly earlier this year, totally unexpected, no fault of his own. He had a minor procedure with complications, and the impact was very, very big um, on us. And it, in, it sort of it just refocused what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. Um, And obviously, part of coming to Bahrain was was for part of that decision and our future. So, and for future for our children as well. So, yeah, it was. um, I don't look. I don't look back at any of those situations and think poor me at all. I just think, okay, it happened. Um, I need to educate myself, Mm -hmm. find out what I need to know, and get on with it. Really. (laughs) So yeah, yeah
0: um Rachel what lessons have you learned along the way
1: um gosh um I suppose around property I know it's a bit of a cliche but people do say oh your network is your net worth um and I'm the fir- the, the vast majority of people that I've met within the, the field of property are really helpful and really really nice so I think as an industry as a whole I know it's in the past had sort of a bad reputation but i think that's changing so for me it's about building your network you are never going to know everything that you need to know and and you might embark on a new strategy or you might look towards something else so having a really strong strong peer group that you can go to for information and you can ask questions i think is is absolutely key um social media one of those things that everybody is involved with somehow would make out that everything's really, really quick, that you can basically become a property investor or a property developer on a Monday and by Friday, you've got it nailed. Mm -hmm. I I don't think you've got it nailed in five days. I think it takes a, a significant amount of time to do something well and to do it in a compliant fashion. And if you have investors, so we, we've got investors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to make sure that you're doing it right and you're thinking about them all, all the time, you know, your obligations to them. So it's it's not a get rich quick mm-hmm. um scheme or, or business. Um and in some respects, that's that's partly where Equas come in. I don't obviously I'm on an equa podcast, but I'm not a plug for Equa but for me. I'd looked at lots of different sort of companies and organizations. But Equa had a really good group of people within it with strong track records. The monthly webinars work really well with the time difference. So sometimes in Bahrain, I'm three hours ahead of the UK. So the, the sort of formats of having a morning three-hour meeting was was really, really good very informative and you could build relationships remotely as Mm. well so i think aim to yeah aim to build your peer group have lots of different people and connections in different sort of arenas and don't be afraid to ask a question
0: Oh, i I, I totally agree and you know i i echo that and you know mark and i we we equally get a lot out of the group you know they're all uh, very sensible individuals doing some great things, and and it's just it's just the candor that I like. It's the where, where people are very transparent and very open yeah. with all the good things that they do, but equally the things that they have challenges with. Because you know, as a group, if if we know about the challenges, we've got half chance of offsetting or diverting around or having a solution to these challenges rather than having to go through the problem in the first instance. So I I think we we all rise together, don't we? Which is just, you know, the wonderful part of uh, the network. Yeah.
1: And it, it, it has an element of, of confidentiality. So whatever you say within that environment, you know, that it's, it's within that group. So you can share problems and any sort of complexities, I think. So yeah, that, that's definitely I think an important part for anybody getting into property. Um, so yeah.
0: Right. Rachel, what are your plans for the future?
1: I've always got plans. Um, <laughs> at the moment, we're working on a couple of JV projects. So one of which is around expanding the sort of children's care mm-hmm. home model, Um and that's with uh, another ECWA member, a lady, and another lady that uh, I've known for quite some time, who's got a background in sported living. So that's looking to see if we can replicate the home that I have now, either in sort of Hampshire West Sussex, down by the coast, or possibly in the northeast of England, which is my sort of specialist area. So that's that's ongoing. So that's interesting. Lots of background work to do on that with regards to providers and requirements, really. Mm. Um, the other thing, again, with an ECWA member, it's, which is a recent thing, is a chap who is running a very successful lettings business, in Manchester and just project management, HMOs, commercial to Resi, And he's just done a very successful project and we get on very well. So we're looking at exploring whether we can create a new company where we would be using our SaaS. Again, we've used our SaaS for various things. We've done a loan back. Um, we've done an unconnected third party loan. We've obviously brought a, a children's care home, which is a commercial c3b class so we're looking to see if we can use our sas funds to develop a a, a new company there and expand what he's already doing really so we've got that and something that has been long time coming i've just set up a first sort of excuse me airbnb property in bedlington so in, that's in Northumberland. So you've got the port of Tyne and the north coast. There's a massive amount of investment going into the northeast. There's levelling up initiative. There's also discussions on um, devolution. So there's a huge amount of money going in, but there's loads of businesses. So we have we basically created a property that I'd be happy to stay in when I travel for work. There was just nothing similar like that. Um, So at the moment, I'm working on behind the scenes. This is all the sort of behind the scenes things that people don't see on social media and contacting companies through LinkedIn and sort of asking them if they need good quality accommodation for people that are coming down for contracts. A lot of people contract to say three months in the area. So that's not a new project. It's just pushing what we've been working on. And I've set myself a sort of six month goal to make that as well known as the standout property in Bedlington really. So yeah, no small feat, really on that one. So those are the things. Mm-hmm. And then there's always the day-to-day stuff. Yeah.
0: Wow. That, that sounds amazing. Setting that bar so high for a new area as well. That's just incredible. So, Thank
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a new area. We didn't go one of the seaside. I mean, it's beautiful. Northumberland's beautiful, but there's loads of sort of seaside properties, a lot of Airbnb type properties. But I've, Particularly like Bedlington as a town, it's a very traditional town. Um, it's got lovely single high street. It's got some sort of boutique, independent shops, got butchers, still, uh, bakers, things like that. So, and it is ten minutes to the Port of Tyne, and the Port of Tyne is just buzzing with business, mm. tr- businesses and investment and industry. But not everyone wants to stay in a pub. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a big fantastic. project that one. Yeah. Thank uh,
0: you. I tend to hear how you get on with that one. That's great. Yeah. So it was. It was a couple of years ago, actually. Um, I, I was um, very honoured. Actually, uh, Mark, my business partner, he asked me to um, get involved and collaborate into a book that he was writing. He's written a few, as you know.
1: <laughs> I, I do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this this book was called Advice to Your Younger Self, and it was a great title. And and it it probably pushed me out of my comfort zone because that's not really me, to be honest, you know, in terms of sharing that, you know, my my inner inner workings and all the rest of it. It's not really, really me. But I I did it nonetheless. And and I have to say, um, that having the the chance to, you know, put down and kind of regurgitate my life, if you like, to the point of, you know, where I was writing the book, um, was an amazing Opportunity and I'm, you know, very humbled that he, he asked me to do it. But, um, it, it kind of, it bubbles to the surface and you go, blimey, I forgot about that. Oh, and I forgot about that. And I thought, oh, blimey, I've had a quite a colorful life you know? and, it, and it brings it all to the surface. And, and I'm, I'm very much into legacy, as you, you probably know. Yeah. And, um, my, um, my way of teaching my children is a little bit passive. It's not right. We're sitting down at the, the the Sunday breakfast table and get your pen and pad. It's not really that. So what I did, I, I actually got my children to critique my first pass of the chapter in the book. And <laughs> it was a bit cunning, I suppose, because they, they pulled me apart, to be honest. <laughs> I'd, I'd missed commas and full stops all over the place. But they, they did all that. But But what it actually did, it enabled them to get more into and understand more about dad's life, you know, and, and yeah. what, I, what I'd done and those sort of things. So that, that was great. So it was a proper tick in the box from me, but i have probably turn that question uh, to you now. So if, if you could give your younger self, maybe one piece of advice, what, what would it be?
1: Oh, um, God, that's an, it, that's an, it isn't, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, it doesn't surprise me that Mark asked it actually. So I've all wrote a book on it, but, um, so I left school in 1986, um, and I grew up in the whole Thatcher era. And I think then, unless you're in the very top percentage of people at school, you you, you looked for jobs. So both my husband and I started working when we were 16. And I think looking back, it was, that's what I expected of myself. I didn't have any wider expectations put upon me, but I think I thought, right, okay, get a good job leave you know, leave school get a good job my career's advice was go and work for a big company and get lots of training and I did that and I, I bought my first house at 18. I was very much ticking the boxes of achievement mm. if you like and um I I think I thought I was going to be one of those people that would have a job for life. Certainly you know back in the 80s that's you went to work for a company and you, you stayed there till you retired. Um, and I think looking back I I probably Put some of those views onto my own son as to how he should you know he should do at school and he should do a levels and sh- should do a degree and I think if I look back now and I was discussing this with my husband the other day actually and he's always the one behind the scenes that lets me sort of do everything supports me I talked to him about what's going on within the business so I, I said to him you know he he started work at 16 and did an apprenticeship. And I said, what would you, if you could go back in time, what would you do differently? So I think as a sign of respect to him, I should say what he said, which was along the lines of do it earlier, don't ever stop and keep doing it. And I think if I had done that earlier, I would have got where I am now quicker. So yeah, I think... Mm -hmm. follow what you want to do don't give up on your dreams and Mm -hmm. and and do it earlier um yeah
0: you know and and I think um certainly my previous generation was very much um Mm -hmm. come out of school good good exam results get a job Mm -hmm. you know very very traditional you know there's nothing wrong with that but um I, I know the impact, I, su- I suppose entrepreneurialism has had on me, you know, and, and, and the journey. Um, I, I work with my children in a very different way.
1: <laughs> mm, yes. Uh,
0: and, and it was, it's almost like we we've, we've done that. And that's probably the lesson learned, isn't it? How we can very subtly help our next generation to maybe think slightly differently.
1: You know, yeah, and I think I think technology has played a huge part in that really. Um definitely. and when you look at young young people now that are leaving school or or leaving college or even uni, they're not confined to being in one place doing one thing. They yeah. can be mobile. and I think that technology and that sort of spirit to explore is is great. And I would actually advocate not to be tied down, you know, spend your first few years of work or your first few years of your career just going for it and mm. enjoying what you're doing because there's plenty of time to settle down, buy a house or, you know, be in one place. So mm. yeah, I think that would be my advice is is just, yeah, go for it. Go for it. No, and, great. yeah, great. and if you enjoy what you're doing, you're always going to be successful.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, yeah. it, it won't kind of feel like a job either you
1: no know. definitely not
0: that's yeah. brilliant yeah. advice thank you very much it's all right yeah that's great it's, it's been such a such a delight to speak to you really and I can't believe thank that you. actually 30 35 minutes has gone
1: it's sorry crazy. yes I, I can talk
0: <laughs> Oh, no, incredible incredible but I mean just just for the listeners you know how can people follow you or get in touch
1: Uh, follow me i'm on all the social media platforms obviously Uh, so under flex homes f-l-e-x homes or linkedin is probably my preferred flat platform so rachel wellbluff no d on the end just me so yeah that's probably the best way to just dm me um or if anyone likes old-fashioned telephones they can give me a call
0: my goodness, what's one of those?
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, I have to have. I have a um, landline number here, so it means yeah. I can be anywhere in the world actually and just pick up my office phone. So, brilliant, which is brilliant. good technology. Look,
0: Rachel, it's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure, and I. I, I do For just opening up as well, it was just just great to.
1: Thank you. I'm um, a bit like you. I don't share that much, so yeah. Um, I. That's yeah. Thank you. Okay. No, my pleasure.
0: Thanks a lot. Okay, so you. you've, been, um, you've been listening to the Property Developers and Investors podcast. Nigel Green from Acqua Academy speaking to Rachel Wellbelove. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.